welcome to the Blossom Like Eden channel, whether you're joining us through podcast or on YouTube today or through our Facebook. Uh, we just want to welcome you here to this conversation as we just explore Blossom Like Eden together and all the truth and revelation within. And I'm joined again um, with my dear friend, Svea Braun. She's here with us again to talk through some of these um, goodies we find and some of these heart responses that we are receiving from readers. And so today we're going to begin a series of going through the entire book, um, starting at the preface. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to tackle the preface today. Um, and the preface is entitled A New Leaf. And so where this came from, uh, this idea too, is the main uh, response I'm getting in letters written to me or messages is women are feeling like they've spent so much time living for God hmm. instead of with him. And they're spending time looking around, wondering what it is that other women have that they don't. And this is exactly where I began this journey of fullness yeah. and exactly where God wanted me. It was like the perfect position in this like wandering wilderness of my own self-doubt and my own comparison and my own striving. It's exactly where God wanted me. Just, um, he gave me this picture of a uh, big old tree cut down with a tiny little shoot growing from it. Hmm. And that's exactly what God, you know, was asking me to be, just to be this tender little shoot. So I had spent so much time propping up this big oak tree, uh, if you will, mm -hmm. really a tree of all my accomplishments, um, wanting to look good, running a ministry, going through all the motions of Christianity. And I built for myself this big tree. And yet I still, you know, surrounded by all my, you know, pasted on fruit and accolades, I thought were mine um, in the spirit. I really was standing there still looking around, wondering what it was that everyone else had that I didn't and thinking there was something everyone yeah. else had that I didn't. Yeah. And God really had to teach me that I actually was already holding it all. Mm. He just had to teach me how to gain access to that and begin walking in the yeah. fullness that he had placed inside of me. And so really he just wanted me to be mm. this tender, vulnerable little shoot of life. Um, just plain old Sarah so that he could come in and start tending to some of this overgrowth and some of the stuff that I propped up for myself and he wanted to take it away you know layer by layer and begin to reveal his true character and his love over me yeah and what did that look like for you like how, what was that process like when people hear this tree that you built of yourself you know I can picture that very easily yeah so you know in the Christian realm there's a lot of to do's and a lot of sh a lot of shoulds mm -hmm. and you know you should be serving so yeah. I had a ministry running that was basically overworking me but it was running and it was something that I was checking off my Christian to-do list yeah. Yeah. and I had you know my tithing going and that's what you do and I had my all the you know Christian modern check boxes that you yeah. check off to say I'm a Christian because I'm doing this I'm a Christian because I'm doing that I'm a Christian because I'm doing mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. and so you build up this Christian you know false persona around you and yet you're living so separated from God and you're wondering why you're still feeling empty why you're still feeling you yeah. know like you aren't receiving what God's word says is yeah. there for you to take hold of and so it was all these things that I propped up and I was holding up, yeah. you know, my serving, my giving, my doing, doing, mm -hmm. doing. And God was just like, can we take, you know, as things started to crumble, he just let them start to crumble, you know, because I basically got, it was too heavy to carry. Yeah. <laughs> so as they started to crumble, he let them crumble. Yes. And all that was left was this little shoot of just plain old me. And he said, this is, I got you right where I want you. 
that you know, got you right where I want you. I love that so much because I, I think that story, I, I'm sure probably a lot of you can resonate with that. I do for sure in my own life. I had my own um, experience of, of either you know hitting a wall. I burnt out, like literally drove my body doing ministry and missions and saving the world for Jesus and all of that. And I burnt out and, you know, I, I would say like what you said, it's like God allows anything that's not built out of intimacy and relationship with him, he is not going to prop that up. Yeah. Like he cares too much for us to keep, help us keep up this exhausting performance-based persona. Yeah. So I feel like that is a mercy and it's, it can be, it can feel very devastating emotionally to have those, um, that security that we've placed in the persona, in the external, um, to-do list. We can feel very, um, yeah, quite devastated actually, emotionally to have those things taken away. But I think it's good to clarify that I don't believe when I look at scripture that God takes things away from us mm -hmm. to teach us things. I believe that he refuses because his character is so pure and so loving. He refuses to prop up anything in our life that becomes an idol, yeah. anything in our life that draws us away from that relational dependence and intimacy and life that would flow from him. So he's not going to prop it up. So eventually... You know, for some of us, we're stubborn and hard-headed. It takes us years <laughs> for myself. Eventually, it does crumble. Like, we cannot hold up an external persona without burning out, without falling into depression, without um, it, it breaking down, without disappointing someone so extremely that we lose all faith in ourselves, yeah. which, by the way, is a good thing. But the Father, in His kindness, allows that deconstruction, as it were, yeah. He's not the one in there like, I'm going to destroy this giant oak that Sarah built of herself. He's the one that's like, in my love, I am not going to prop that up. I will not take my daughter there. And I want to bring her down because there's life. Like when yeah. I see that picture you describe, I see this like beautiful green, little tender shoot. It can be snuffed out. But I love the verse in Psalms. And I couldn't remember. I was telling Sarah yeah. about earlier is that like a bruised and burning wick, he won't snuff out. Like he won't crush or snuff out like a, just a bruised reed, like something that's just feeling weak. Our father's heart is that when, he, when we're down in that place of feeling that kind of bruised and very vulnerable and fresh and new or tiny, this is where he's just magnetized his love to just come right in. And it's like, this is where I want you because now I can be everything for you. Yeah. The tree's not everything for you. This propped up fake, you know, you see in like yeah. those, like those kids plays, like the cardboard tree with the pasted <laughs> on apples. Like I totally yeah. feel like that's the head like... coming through. <laughs> yeah. But, but we look around and we start to feel like that, that is, we start to act out of those, that act, you know, that yeah. play, that false self. And, and then that is empty, like putting on a show every day. Yeah. It's exhausting, you know? So exhausting, yeah. especially when you've been taught that there's so much available to you in God. Yeah. When you're hearing and that. And you're hearing, you're singing the lyrics of these songs, I'm whole, I'm free, and totally. yet you're just standing there holding up everything yeah. you're supposed to do, and you're just like, I'm oh actually gosh. buried, and I'm actually, so you know, true. drowning, and so where's this true. freedom, and where is this wholeness that you've promised me? And God's just like, let me come in, let me show you. Yeah. I just love you. It's so much simpler than yeah. what you've created it to be. I love it. Well, and really like you said that in your book, you're talking, like you talk about this beautiful image of like rest restoration of that garden. Like the, the yeah. garden was the, was the ideal. Like yeah. that's the ideal. And that is literally where the like salvation brought us was back to an ability to have that connection. And you write in here that like that place, and I'm thinking about little shoot again, I can see the stump. Mm -hmm. I think all of you can probably see it to have stump with that little shoot. 
and just seeing Father God in this beautiful lush garden, looking at that little shoot, being like, I know the beautiful plant, the beautiful flower that is going to come from this shoot. I'm going to water it. I'm going to, you know, clear away the, the like the things that would overgrow and shade it. Like I want to see this, this plant flourish. And that is what he would, that's how he tended to Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah. And you put, you, you wrote in here, in our humanness, uh, it's like the beginning in the preface, the second page, it says, we resist the easy comfort. And that's that place of like the garden where we just allow the father to yeah. care for us. Because really, that was easy. For Adam and Eve, it wasn't a hard place to be. Like our goal is not to move into something that's like hard and slavery. Our goal is to move into a place of being cared for and nourished in every way, complete. Yeah. And, and we resist that with our what if questions and self-doubt that basically ruin that picture of the garden and may lead us into wilderness. Yeah. And I feel like maybe some of you listening today might also have those what if questions in your life. And I feel like in my, in my, um, state of brokenness before I kind of understood rest and God's fullness as his daughter, there were so many what ifs. Like what if people saw what was going on inside of me instead of this show I'm putting on, they would lose trust in me because they would see how completely burnt out I feel on the inside. What if the things I'm doing don't work or, or like bear fruit or look good enough? Will people think I'm a fake? What if God doesn't come through for me in this thing that I'm doing for him? Or what if um, people you know. find out what I've done in my past. Yes, exactly. And yeah. again, in every journey, there's the what ifs. Like, yeah. what if people knew what I did before I became a Christian, and they would think I'd never have the authority to like yeah. to speak to anyone? Yeah. Those, but those what ifs, I think, are so interesting because they mimic the what if question that the serpent asked Adam and Eve. Yeah. Like he entered into that place of perfect comfort and care and tenderness and beauty and holiness, perfection in the garden, and the serpent says, "What if?" your father is keeping something from you. Like, I want, I like feel like those of us at home, and even just right now, it's like, I can feel that, that lie is so subtle. It's like, what if your father is actually holding back something good for you? Mm -hmm. I don't think you can fully trust him because he probably is holding something back. And that lie that came out to Adam and Eve was, what if this tree that he's told you not to touch is the key to all of your wildest dreams, is the key to all the knowledge and power that is really going to make your life amazing. And God's just not wanting you to have it. And yet God was truly offering them that intimacy and friendship where he would meet all their needs. Yeah. But he wanted that love to be a choice. So he offered them this alternative and the serpent came in and was like, what if this alternative is, is better? What if you can't really trust this guy, this father? I don't know how many, I don't know how many of you feel that way on a day-to-day -day basis. Like what if, you know, my husband leaves and God doesn't come through and heal our marriage. What if my kids rebel and never come back home? Or the children that are off don't? Or what if I never get a husband? Or what if, you know, this thing that I've spent my whole life working on, we lose it with, you know, with COVID or, or we go bankrupt. There's so many what ifs and all of them are specifically challenging who God yeah. says who God he will be for us. How he shows up for us. And I think sometimes just humans in our own circles and at, in our past history have let us down. And so we yeah. actually can hardly even believe that God would be so mm -hmm. good. Who can be this good? Yeah. Who is willing to yeah. go, you know, to the trenches for me? Why would he be willing to wander that wilderness for me and untangle all those weeds? Yeah. Like, why would someone be so good to me? <laughs> and I think that can warp 
our sense of security and warp our sense of truth and revelation really of who God is as father because we're putting it through a human lens but yeah. God never was a human well he came through as Jesus as a human but God himself is a master gardener like he is the sovereign king of the universe and a yeah. good father and so we cannot compare him to you know our earthly fathers yeah. or our earthly people around us and so that's really key he wants to come in and he wants to untangle all those weeds that we've allowed um, ourselves to build up around us and these things are cultural lies and misconceptions of what a Christian is supposed to look and feel yeah. like yeah you know building up our own esteem because this world has platforms and this world has accolades and yeah. things that we're chasing we're chasing esteem we're chasing um, recognition from yeah. others and these are all weeds that God he's not surprised by these yeah <laughs> you know but he's willing to come in and take yeah. care of all those weeds and you know, unwind all those weeds that are growing around us as these little yeah. tender shoots. Yeah. But really, yeah, he came for, to restore this relational faith that was really broken with the fall of man, that was broken yeah. with Adam and Eve. And, and a lot of the times, actually, you know, going through this book with readers, I've had readers say, I had no idea that when Jesus came, he restored yeah. that relational mm -hmm. place that Adam and Eve began in the yeah. garden. I had no oh. idea that Jesus was the key, yeah. and now we walk with the Father in every yeah. moment of our day. Yes. And that reminds me of something you were sharing about Moses. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah from sure. Exodus. Yeah. yeah. You want me to share that? Yeah. 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 No, I I've been reading earlier this week in Moses. Or Moses in Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> the book, one of the books of Moses. Yeah. Exodus, and just recognizing that. Um, so often we can compare ourselves to the children of Israel yeah. and we can really see direct correlations with our own heart that doesn't walk in that kingdom mindset of that New Testament covenant mindset. We can go back to old ways of thinking where we separate ourselves relationally from God, yeah. like you're talking about. And and just in, in uh, Exodus 33, kind of starting in verse 8, it talks about like whenever they, they created a tent of meeting, the children of Israel were at the base of Mount Sinai, they received the Ten Commandments and the presence of God was with them and he was moving them towards a, a place where he was going to begin to show them. He told them, I'm taking you to a promised land. And and his presence was literally physically with them. It had been in a pillar of fire, a pillar of smoke. They'd had everything they needed to know he was there. But Moses created a tabernacle, like a holy place, a tent for his, his presence because we didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit yet. So he was outside of us, but with the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. And Moses, it says, Moses would go... Um, Moses went to this tent of meeting, which was this kind of tabernacle where God's physical presence was and kind of this light. And all the people would get up and stand at the entrances of their own tents. They wouldn't follow Moses to go meet with God. They would stand back here watching, watching Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance. And while the people, while the Lord spoke to Moses, the people would see the cloud and they would stand and bow down and worship, standing in their own tents. So they would basically watch someone else meet with God. And it said the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And then he would return to the camp. And what's crazy is you realize how much God was showing the children of Israel through Moses. And he wanted to take all of them. He wanted to take this entire nation and show them the way of intimate connection with him that he would be their father, that they no longer were slaves. And Moses, he allowed to meet with him, to meet with him at this tent and to, to his presence. But the people didn't want to go there. They thought, 
they, they have this, this, again, this idea, like, oh no, we can't get close. I don't know, it's only Moses is holy. And so they relegated their worship to watching someone else experience God. And they would just stand back at their tent to be like, oh, you're too holy. They'd like bow down and like, we're not worthy. Watching Moses speak as a friend. And that's what's offered to us in the garden. Yes. That is, that is the thing that's offered. And what's, what's crazy when you see this is, just to go a little further, is that even Moses, in all of his amazing faith, would begin to doubt. He, he still didn't even recognize. A little bit later on, he was saying to God, like, so God, can you just tell me, you told me about this promised land. Who's going to go with me? Like, I need some backup. <laughs> He's oh, meeting with God face to face. Like, who's going to go with me? Like, when God in his word says, like, I'll never leave you, we're like, God, like, am I going to be alone? Yeah. Like, we all do this, and yet we, we have to get back to that place. Of, of relying and God just shortly after to Moses's question his human question God says I will personally go with you yeah. this is in verse 14 and I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you and that is totally God's message for you yeah. I feel like that's God's message going into this book yeah is that the um and, and I feel like there's a question that I want to bring up that Sarah and I both I know ask in different ways in our own walk with God this relational switch of the what if like the what if, the torment of those what if questions when we try to approach God. Like we look at this book and we're like, what if this doesn't work for me? <laughs> what if Sarah has something that I don't, that God loves Sarah more than he loves me and it's not going to work. <laughs> that mental ascent of whatever work looks like. And the Father is inviting you and I challenge you and encourage you to ask a different question yeah. because that what if question is challenging God's character and it's leaving no room for the Father to reveal himself relationally to the anxiety, the stress, the fear that is pressing on your own heart. And a different question would be, Father, who do you want to be for me right now? And I guarantee you that if you are willing to go to a quiet place, and I say quiet because it is sometimes hard for our emotions. I'm a sensor, a feeler. When my kids are all around, I don't care how much I'm asking God, there's no way I can feel beyond the yeah. But if you're willing to go to a quiet place, wherever it's got to be, maybe it's on the toilet, and you just say, God, who do you want to be for me? And you let yourself sit in that place of stillness. Sarah refers to it in her book as this deep place, and we'll be talking more about that as we get into the book. But... You sit there and receive what he whispers, what he impresses. It may not be a cognitive thought, but I guarantee you that you will experience a peace come over your mind because the Father wants to have a relational connection with you. Mm -hmm. Not just a mental ascent, but he wants to bring your emotions under his peace. He says, I will give you rest to Moses. Your Moses was like, how is this all going to work? Who's going with me? The A to Z questions. And God's direct response to Moses was, I will personally go with you. I'm with you in person. And we have that right now, the Holy Spirit. I'm personally with you and I will give you rest. I will, like, I will soothe those stressed out emotions, those stressed out feelings, and everything will be fine. Yeah. And that really is the invitation. It's invitation the end of the preface is to really walk with God yeah. as father back into the garden yeah. come out of your wandering wilderness looking around your comparison your striving allow him to tenderly take care of you um, just in his good father love and father care and allow him to teach you what a good father looks like I love it yeah I love it I think 
will you pray? Like, yeah, I feel like this pray. is, I feel, just to encourage you, I feel like we're jumping into a really beautiful journey. And I hope that by listening today that you hear that we all have built up these cardboard trees for ourselves. Yeah. Like there is no shame or condemnation. And in God's heart to let those cardboard things fall and to reveal these tiny tender shoots, like we said, it can feel a bit traumatic and devastating, but there is life there. And yeah. this journey is life. And if we ask the right question, actually, I don't like to say that things like right and wrong, but if we ask a different question, yeah. like, Father, who do you want to be for me? He's going to meet us on this relational journey that Sarah talks about. And there are so many promises in here from his word and Sarah's testimony. And it's just going to be a, a really wonderful journey. God, thank you, Lord, that you never leave us alone, God, that you are a good, good Father. Lord, I pray that every listener right now, that you've given them a specific revelation to their own soul and mind, God, and that they would pursue that revelation, God, that they would open themselves up to this idea of walking back into this beautiful picturesque garden with you, Lord, allowing themselves to be tenderly taken care of, by you, God. You are a master gardener. You know every weed that's choking each one of us specifically out. And God, you care so much about each individual. And I pray, God, that we would take this moment to invite you in, to invite you to tenderly take care of us, to invite you back into that relational intimacy that you sent your son for, into this beautiful relational pace with you, God. Mm -hmm. Every day, every moment of our day, God, you're right there. And you are the only one that can tenderly take care of us and bring us to full restoration mm -hmm. now, God. And so we just invite you in. Holy Spirit, come. Mm -hmm. Teach us. Teach us what you have for us, God. What this means, what Jesus meant. And excite ourselves again to the wonder of salvation. And teach us of your character, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.